Turn in your Bibles to the book of the Psalms once again, to Psalm 124. Many of you know that this section of the Psalms is known as the Psalms of Ascents, A-S-C-E-N-T-S, from Psalm 120 all the way through Psalm 134, 15 Psalms, and each one of them uh, were songs that were sung by uh, the believers in the Old Testament as they made their way to Jerusalem for the annual feasts. And as they made their way there, they were actually going up in elevation towards Jerusalem, which was set up on a high place, as uh, you probably know. And so they're called the songs of uh, ascents, songs they would sing as they ascended toward Jerusalem. And as they sang, of course, they were singing praises to God and they were looking forward. They were anticipating. They were eagerly um, thinking about going to uh, the place of worship in Jerusalem. And this is one of them. Uh, Notice very carefully how this works itself out. Uh, Probably written by David, but we're not absolutely sure, even though some of our Bibles say that. Uh, Psalm 124, uh, reading uh, the entire Psalm. Let us hear the word of God. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we pray that you would indeed cause our faith to rise and our eyes to see. Help us to see, Lord, not simply what your word is telling us, but help us to see you and your relationship with us and what it means for us. And most of all, Lord, show us our Savior. We would see Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever felt like you were in over your head? (laughs) Is there anybody here that would say, no, I've never felt that way? And think of all the ways, or at least some of the ways, that that could be our situation. Uh, These circumstances could involve uh, problems with people in our lives, or physical problems, or financial problems, or some awful combination of those. And you could throw in things like COVID, and some of the strange things that have happened to us this year. But whatever the circumstances, there are are times when things just seem to conspire against us 
and we begin to feel like we're toast. You know, this is, I'm not going to be able to work my way out of this. This is just so big, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I don't know how I'm going to overcome this. If you feel that way or have ever felt that way, you know that you're not alone. Not in the least. In fact, even setting aside all the non-Christians that deal with these kinds of issues too, as a Christian, you know that you are not alone in your struggles. You do know that, don't you? We're being reminded of that in this passage. Whoever wrote this psalm, probably David, well, he's been there, he's done that. He's been in situations where his life was in jeopardy. He knew that he was surrounded at times by his enemies. And these pilgrims, they were out in the boonies. You know, they were, they were in danger of marauders, of robbers, of people that could, could sweep in out of nowhere and kill a bunch of them and steal from them. They knew that that was a possibility. Maybe they were thinking about uh, some of David's situations or some of the other uh, saints that had lived before them, what they had been through. You could go back, for instance, instance, to Psalm 18 and read how King Saul was after David. You know, King Saul tried to take David's life more than once. David had to run. David had to hide. And of course, God protected him. And so we come to this psalm, Psalm 124, and we read the psalmist leading God's people, leading God's people in a song of the dire straits that they encountered and how God protected and preserved them. And in so doing, we think of the things that we can encounter and the blessing of God's delivering mercies. Notice, first of all, there's really two Uh, stress points here that we need to to, uh, acknowledge in this psalm. In the first six verses, excuse me, the first five verses, notice that we should consider the dangers that would ruin us, ruin us if, if God were not on our side. That's how the psalm begins. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Verse two, if It had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us. This is a covenant reality. The Lord is on our side. It's a covenant reality because because when God enters into a covenant, his covenant of grace with us, in essence, what he says is, I will be your God and you will be my people. It's sort of like a covenant that's made between a man and a woman when they get married. I will be your husband, you will be my wife. I will be your God and you will be my people. That is a covenant reality and it is, it is rich in significance for our Christian lives. The Lord is on our side. And so this psalm is written like a group who had just escaped some some uh, great danger and they've, they've run to safety. You can almost see it in, in your own imagination. And, and they run to safety and they find a place to hide and they're gasping for breath, as it were, and praising God that, that he delivered them. 
And so twice they say in uh, verse 7 that they have escaped. We've escaped like a bird. We've the snare is broken. We've escaped. We've, we've made it. We managed to get out of that mess. And we're okay right now. It's a wonderful thing to, to consider that God is on our side. In Psalm 118, just a few psalms earlier, in uh, verses 6 and 7, we read this. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. The Lord is on my side, the psalmist said. And every believer in Jesus Christ can say the same thing because of the covenant. I will be your God. I'm on your side. You ever thought about that? I will be on your side. This sort of stacks the deck in our favor as we go through life. Paul put it in a different way, but it's saying the same thing in Romans 8, 31. He says, if God be for us, who can be against us? That's a rhetorical question, isn't it? We know the answer. Nobody. If God is for me, Nobody can ultimately be against me. Yes, I may have enemies, but ultimately they're not going to prevail because God's the one that will prevail. They're not as great as God. And so this covenant reality is that the Lord is on our side, but let's don't discount the fact that that covenant reality to us is often threatened. At least in our minds and hearts, we wonder sometimes is God still for me? What, what all these things I'm having to deal with? Is God still on my side? Has he ever really been on my side or have I been fooling myself? And so we come, have to come to grips with this covenant reality. God is going to be with me even though I may face very difficult circumstances as David did. One example, which we won't turn to, but in 2 Samuel 5, the Philistines attacked David. Well, that was sort of a common thing at that point in time. They were mortal enemies of David. So David had Saul after his life. He had the Philistines that were bearing down on him, and God delivered him because he was in covenant with the Lord. And this whole covenant reality would have meant disaster for us if it were not true. You know that word if? It's pretty important. If. Now, I could, as an example, even though it's a little bitty word, two letters, if. My memory doesn't go back real far. But I can remember all the way back to yesterday. There was a football game played somewhere up north. And in that football game, there was uh, what appeared to be a certain touchdown by Mississippi State. And the ball carrier, the runner, fumbled the ball right at the goal line. 
Some of you probably are aware of this. And if he hadn't fumbled, man, Bulldog fans are just thinking, if that guy hadn't fumbled and Ole Miss hadn't recovered and run it way downfield to the other side, if that hadn't happened, the whole game, the whole outcome of the game might have been completely different. Bulldog fans would like to think that, but it didn't happen. And so we can if, if, if all we want. But if is an important word here. If, the psalmist wants you to think about this. What if the Lord was not on your side? When you encounter difficulties, dangers, if the Lord had not been on our side. Rudyard Kipling, the great poet, I had a poem that begins with something that many of us have heard before, even if we don't know where it came from. And this poem is full of ifs. I'm not going to read them all, but let me read us a few of them. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies. Or being hated, don't give way to hating. And yet don't look too good, nor talk too wise. And he goes through that for several stanzas. If this, if this, if this. And he ends with this not necessarily Christian uh, uh, conclusion. But he says, if you can do all these things, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And, which is more, you'll be a man, my son. I remember that from school. If, if, if. If the Lord had not been on our side. And so we've got this picture of great dangers. Things that threaten to ruin us. And if you look at verses 3 through 5, you see a progression of metaphors to describe what the enemies of God could have done to God's people if the Lord had not been on our side. He would have, uh, it would have swallowed us alive. That's a picture of death. Remember the rebellion against Moses and the earth. There was an earthquake and a big crack appeared and all those people died, swallowed up by the earth. Hmm. Or, and here's a stronger one, each one gets stronger. A flood would have engulfed us. Psalm 69 depicts that same type of language. You know, sometimes David would say, the waters have gone in over my head. I'm in, literally in over my head, David is saying. Maybe he was thinking about the flash floods of Palestine in that part of the world that would happen because it was sort of an arid country and very hilly and when strong rains would come you'd have instant flooding and remember there were no flash flood warnings issued by the National Weather Service they didn't have that and so that was a real danger a scary thing and then it gets even stronger the torrent would have swept over us 
Think of the strong, swift currents of a raging river after a flood. And you think, wow, there's a river. I'm going to jump in and swim. If anybody is around you, they would say, don't you dare jump in there. You'll be swept away. And you'll probably drown as a result. That's a danger. It's the strongest term of all. The raging water swept us away. Think of the storm surge that comes from a hurricane on the coast. Those storm surges can sometimes be 20, 25 feet high, and this wall of water comes and takes out a community like Bay St. Louis in 2005. I saw a video of how of someone taking this, this uh, surge, storm surge coming, and it was just like this huge wave, you know, 25 feet high or so, and it just came in, and you could watch it coming in. It was the scariest sight. And, of course, it swept away everything that was near the coast. But sometimes that describes the way our lives are. We feel this threat of the things that are going on around us. It could be COVID, especially if we get real sick from it, or we get concerned about our, our family, our relatives, or friends that maybe have it and get it in a very strong, strong uh, way. But it could be any, you, you name it, it could be any kind of problem or combination of problems that threaten to sweep us away and, and inundate us, and we're helpless. Christians have always faced dangers of all kinds. The church has faced that too. John Calvin said that the church cannot continue safe insofar as, excuse me, the church cannot continue safe except insofar as she is protected by the hand of God. That's the church's hope. Not how big the parking lot is, not how many members we have, not, not our budget, not how great our leaders are in the church. It's protected by the hand of God. And I'm telling you that this is a good time to remember that. Because the church is in danger. And when I say the church, I mean not just any building that has a sign in front of it that says this church name. I mean the people of God that are in covenant with him that are believers in Jesus Christ. It was a good thing Wednesday night when the Supreme Court said that churches in the state of New York could continue to meet. The complaint was, why is it that, that bars can be open Restaurants can be open, they're considered essential, but churches can't. We're not essential, according to the thinking of many. But the Supreme Court disagreed with that and they said, no, the church can meet. Now sure, we've got to be wise and, and uh, careful with this uh, COVID that's going around, but nonetheless, isn't it great that we're able to meet? And we should always be able to meet in some form or fashion. So we need to be aware that that's a danger because 
because there are powerful forces in government and in other places of influence that would take this situation where churches, you know, it's debated. Some say churches can meet, some say they can't in other parts of the country. You know, we, we've got to be careful that, that that doesn't gain the upper hand and pray that it doesn't to where, oh, well, they couldn't meet during COVID, but we're going to say they really better not ever meet because we could get something like that again. In effect, shutting churches down. I hope that doesn't happen. But I know it could. So we have to take that into consideration too. And we can't yield to fear over that because of God's promise to us. What dangers have you faced as a Christian? Where do you think you would be if God had not been for you? Where do you think you'd be right now if God wasn't for you? Something to think about. The Bible tells us that God is for his people, but it also tells us he's against those who are not his people. Many times in especially in the Old Testament, God constantly reminds Israel, if, if you are not by faith clinging to me and obeying me, you are against me. And I am not for you. Unbelievers are in that boat. God is against those who reject him and his love in Christ. I hope that will not be the case for you. God promises his faithful presence and care for his covenant people so that they shall be preserved by his mighty hand. Isaiah 43 says, when you walk through the waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the fire, I'll be with you. And I will preserve you. Doesn't mean we'll be exempt from hardships and difficulties, but we will escape to use the terms of Psalm 124, ultimately. And this is all because of the Lord's love for us. There's a hymn that is in our hymn book, and we, most of us know it, who is on the Lord's side. But if you take Psalm 124 and just think about this theme, maybe we could come up with a hymn. It's a little bit different title. Is the Lord on our side? Is the Lord on your side? Now, you might think, uh, can this really be true for me? The Lord is on my side. The Lord loves me and is committed to me. I want to mention a couple of things said by, that I found in a book I read this summer. And I want to commend it to you. And I'm freely doing this. Uh, this is not a paid advertisement. Uh, but uh, Todd's do, does this. He, a couple of weeks ago, he had some books up here that he recommended, so I'm going to do it. It's a little book that I read that just had more influence on me than a book, any book I've read in a long time outside of the Bible. It's called Gentle and Lowly. That comes from Jesus, of course. Gentle and Lowly. I am gentle and lowly in heart. You shall find rest for your souls. And the subtitle is The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. 
And what this book does is it, it draws from a, a lot of the writings of the Puritans who, do, who spent a lot of time dwelling on this. The love of God for us, the faithfulness of God's love for us is so much deeper and greater than we can conceive. Here's a little taste of it that uh, I picked up from a review of this book in this most recent issue of World Magazine. The reviewer said, uh, some uh, believers can be led to a frustrating battle to conquer sin on their own, to conquer their sin on their own. Instead of remembering that Jesus, and here's a quote from the book, Jesus sides with you against your sin, not against you because of your sin. Let that sink in a minute. Jesus sides with you against your sin. He sides with you against your sin and not against you because of your sin. That's the, a benefit, a major benefit of being in covenant with the Lord. And then a little further down, the reviewer uh, mentions the Puritan John Flavel, F-L-A-V-E-L. And he said this, remember that this God in whose hand are all creatures is your father and is much more tender of you than you are or can be of yourself. He's your father. He's much more tender of you than you are of yourself or can be of yourself. And that's my point that, that we underestimate what we have in Christ because of his love for us. And this book does a wonderful job opening that up, and I, I highly commend it to you, highly commend it to you. In any case, let's look at real quickly at the other point, and that's the last few verses here, verses 6 through 8. And here we're taught that we should offer praise to God because he is on our side. We thought about, well, what if the Lord had not been on our side? What if he had been against us? Well, he is on our side. And because of that, we need, we need to respond in praise to him. And so there's this praise to God. Blessed be the Lord. It's an a expression of thanksgiving. Good time for us to think about that. But look at what the Lord has done. You can whine about what the Lord, you think, has not done. He hadn't protected me from this illness. He hasn't taken care of me. I've had to, to go out and scrape and scrap and, and do all these things. And, and I've got these people breathing down my neck and, uh, and are against what I want to think needs to be done. But, and so here we're, we're being told that, like the bumper sticker said, praise the Lord anyhow. And that is not a meaningless exercise. We don't praise God in isolation from the harsh realities of life, do we? Indeed, it's, it's a sense, there's a sense in which in the context we pray even more, we praise God even more when things are hard. I hear people telling me, and you may hear it too, or what I've experienced myself. God has brought some blessings through this coronavirus to his people 
that probably we never would have experienced if we had not been in this situation. Sure, it's hard. Sure, it tests our patience. I mean, I want it to be over today, but it probably won't be over for a while. And so God is going to use that to refine us. He's not going to, to abandon us with that or any other problem that we have. And notice that there's two pictures here of reasons why we should praise God no matter what's going on. We should praise God for what God kept from happening. Look at how he put it. He said, he has not given us as prey to their teeth. That's a picture of being devoured by, you know, a predator like a lion. He ha he's not let that happen to us. Doesn't mean he hasn't uh, made things difficult or challenging and all of that to test our faith and to grow our faith, but we're still here. And we're, we're so thankful for how he is not, what he has not done. And then they praise God for what God did do. The next picture there, verse seven, we have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken. We have escaped. You know, you try to catch a bird and the bird gets away. There were enemies or people who have tried to hurt us or harm us or bring us down for whatever reasons, jealousy, whatever. And we managed to survive that and learn from it. We've escaped. And so we praise God. And the basic reminder of his faithfulness is the way we conclude this psalm. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. We praise God. A basic, important principle for us. Psalm 121 begins with that, with those words. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. What a great verse to remember when we're thinking about how God is for us. It's used in many churches been used in many churches through the ages when they begin worship. The same God who created the universe cares for his own redeemed people. Charles Spurgeon, the 19th century preacher, or yeah, 19th century preacher said, our creator, our creator is our preserver. He who created us preserves us. We should then put our trust in him at all times and continue serving him as we do trust him. How do you respond to God's faithful protection and care in your life? Do you just think, oh man, I'm glad that's over with. That, that crisis is gone and I can get back to normal. We've heard that a lot when we get back to normal. And wise people know, no, we'll never get back to the way things were because life is going to progress and flow whatever happens. It's never going to stay exactly the same. And I hope none of you will get caught up in the thinking of so many about how when, I'm so glad, I'll be so glad when 2020 is over as if on January 1st, everything's going to be peaches and cream. You know, 
We don't, we don't need to think that way. Every year is going to have its trials, its ups, its downs, its blessings, its difficulties, because we live in a fallen world. 2021 may be even worse in some ways than 2020. But we rely on the rock of our salvation, the faithful God who never changes, whose love for us can't get greater and it won't get less. And so we're secure because God is on our side. Remember these Old Testament pilgrims who were going to worship as they made their way. They were reminding themselves that they had been in hot water and God had taken care of them. And so our worship should be in that spirit, shouldn't it? Wouldn't our worship be more heartfelt, more honoring to God if we worship this way? Lord, I've been through some tough situations and I've escaped by your grace because you are for me. You are on my side. Just finish with a little illustration here. Suppose you were in a neighborhood basketball league and you gathered some of your friends and neighbors together and you know, you were just fair to Midland in your athletic abilities, just ordinary folks. And you got up there and got your team together, got on the court and looked over at the other team. And you noticed that on the other team, there was one guy who was a whole lot taller than anybody else. And his name was LeBron James. Something like 6'9", 250 pounds. And arguably, at least for now, the greatest basketball player of his time. What would you think? I don't have a chance. Look who they got on their side. Well, there's somebody a whole lot greater than LeBron James, and not just, I'm not just talking basketball. The Lord is on our side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? The Lord Jesus Christ came, laid down his life for our sins, he was crucified and bore the wrath of God that we deserve. But he atoned for those sins. And as we read from Micah, he tread our sins underfoot and our sins are forever erased from the record of God. We still sin, but we have Jesus as our righteousness and he will keep us he won't let anybody take us out of his hand. That's what he promised. Is God on your side? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the written word and for the living word. We thank you for Jesus, our redeemer, for the covenant that you made with him to make us your people that we are your people and you are our God. You are on our side. And we thank you, O oh Lord, that you loved us and gave yourself up for us. Now, Father, we pray that with thankful hearts, we would be assured 
that you will be with us and walk with us through everything we have to face for the rest of our earthly days. Give us, Lord, the grace that we need to trust you in all things. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. <clears throat>